Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. I can only hear you. I can't Spoiler alerts. Spoilies ahead. Uh, welcome to Syndication, episode 10. I'm your host, Tyler Young. Hey, Tyler. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey. Who, who are you, by the way? Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, my name's uh, Devin, last name Ellis. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're the guy that lives in the other room. Right. In the, in the same... I think I've seen you around, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when I'm getting ready in the morning. Mm-hmm. Or when we're like, going to work at the same place. Right, right. And then we come <laughs> home at the same time. Yep, yep. This yeah. all sounds very familiar. Right, right. Mm. That sounds good. Mm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Uh, Who's this, this guy? guy? Oh, hi. <laughs> Jinx. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Matt. Last name Tannis. Tannis. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yep. Not tennis. No, not tennis. Tannis. Tannis. We're saying it right, right? Like yeah. T- like tannins? Yeah. Like the mystery element to wine? You I want don't. more of what tannins? You want more tannins in wine? No, it's the root, it's tannis. the mold, tannis root, like devil's weed. <laughs> Do you, okay, I have a quick question. I know we haven't even started anything about the movie. Okay, I wanted to and forgot as we're researching, as I was researching frantically a second mm-hmm. ago. What is tannis root? I think it's fictional, yeah. I think Not it's real? made up, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure it's made up just right. for the movie. I know we're what, what hang on. Did what you guys movie, think it was interesting that even though it would. I guess technically be uh, Satin. It's kind of sounds like Satan if you rearrange the letters. Mm, mm-hmm. Or Satan if you're talking about the soy like product. Yeah. <laughs> sure. When I worked in Whole Foods, every time I saw Satan, I is it Satan or Satan? I don't know. But I said Satan every time. Like, oh, you want firm Satan? Yeah, it's right in the back. Let me know. <laughs> the firm Satan. Only the firm stuff. Well, I think we learned from this movie that he is always firm. Ooh. Ooh. Gross. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what movie are you referencing? Oh, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, well, what, did, what did this was this was a Tyler episode. Mm. Mm, it was. Right, I was asking the question, forgetting I picked it, and I'm going to have so, to talk so, about it. So, Tyler, what movie are we talking about here? This would be the 1968 classic horror comedy parody kind of movie, Rosemary's Baby. Is it a comedy? A lot of the things I read were like, okay, it's definitely a horror movie, but there's comedy elements throughout, which makes more sense to me after like having seen it. Well, it makes more sense reading that after having seen it, because while we're watching it, Especially at the end, I'm like, this is so like everyone. Sure, the ending is when like the veil came off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, before we get into all that, because I think that's all interesting, but like, why don't we just start with? I'm getting excited talking about it already. What (laughs) What made you want to pick this movie? Like, why is Why is this the important movie we're watching this week? So, for the faithful listeners, if you had listened to the very previous episode, uh, you would have known that I didn't know what I was going to pick until I was put on the spot um, because it was my pick, and I didn't do it, and I looked frantically through uh, the top 100 classic movies lists. And just, it, you know, this name popped out, but the reason it did is because ever since I was a kid, I've heard about this movie as like the pinnacle of crazy horror movies, 
you know, oh, this one will fuck you up. Like as a little kid on the school bus. So like we we're talking, Matt, you you brought this up. You want to mm-hmm. do this thing where we have our our prior knowledge of the movie written down, unsullied by any outside influence. Well, yeah, we 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 have three different because I knew a decent amount about this film, but I'd never seen it all the way through. You knew enough to pick this film, and Devin didn't know this film even existed. I right. had never even heard the name before. So I just I thought it would be interesting to document what we knew about the film and how, you know, like when we start talking about reactions, I think that's interesting. Like how much you how much prior knowledge you bring into the film uh, and how that affects your experience of the film. I just remember uh, it was a movie about a woman who gives birth to the devil is what I always heard. Mm. And that um, I was also had one of those like, was it the grade school myths? Like, oh, I heard that this movie was so fucked up that Ooh. they gave it a new rating, an X rating for this movie. Is that true? No, but it, the same year in 1968 was the um, beginning of the MPAA rating system in 1968. Where they're like, okay, here's a rated R movie. Here's a rated uh, M at the time. So did this one have an actual rating? R. When it first came out? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it was like, I think, so that that's something I didn't really get to get the complete particulars about, but it has an R rating now. I don't know if it did originally when mm. it first came out. I mean, if it came out that year, it's pretty close, I imagine. Yeah. And it was one of those, um, apparently this was, uh, I learned all about New Hollywood. I don't know if any of you guys know about that. I don't that. know what that is. It's the era of filmmaking between late 60s and like the 80s where the directors and the writers were basically driving forward the concepts of movies instead of the producers and the publishers or whatever, where they're like, I don't think audiences will like this. We need to take out all this nudity or swearing or all these controversial topics where it was more creator driven. Mm. Um, and this was one of those movies. And uh, I, I think that. to try to accommodate those, those kind of like creative outlets, the MPAA was creating were like, we, we shouldn't be like, is this like, you know, I forget what it was beforehand, but it was basically like everyone should be able to watch these movies. So you can't have like it's got to be friendly for kids and adults. I know you want to make an adult movie, but you can't have all these things that kids can't even witness in it. You know, you can have stuff go over kids heads, but you can't like shock them. So they came up with the rating system of like, OK, these movies are for everybody. These movies are not for kids. These movies absolutely kids can't go into. I think the X rating was actually never fully adopted by the MPAA, but one of those like voluntary ratings but mm. yeah so do you feel like your prior knowledge influenced the way you experienced the movie seeing it for the first time well it did in a way that i knew right off the bat that like oh like there was no real mystery other than like, right the mystery for me was like, why was she about to give birth to the son of the devil who set this up mm. and like what's the purpose but i knew right off the bat like oh she's gonna have a demon baby like this is <laughs> see I always find that going into movies completely blind, I have the best experiences with them. Yeah, because we did the same thing with Psycho, right? You knew yeah, nothing. and knew nothing about it and I, thought it was amazing. I mean, it's funny because Tyler and I described it in different ways, but you know, looking at my notes that I wrote down, like we knew basically the same thing. I knew a couple more details than you, but yeah, um, yeah, I had the same thing, which is interesting because I think... Uh, like the film doesn't really hide that much from you. By like halfway through the film, you've watched Satan rape her and it's pretty clearly not a dream sequence that's true she like, even the twist says at the end wasn't a twist this isn't a dream this is real yeah <laughs> yeah which is like the one you know having 
read about it is the one big change from the book. The book apparently plays it much closer to the chest and functions much more as like, you know, a mystery. Mm. Whereas, you know, the problem with, um, with film is you have to show it. And while in a book you can filter everything through the character's POV and, you know, write it off as a dream sequence, like you don't have that ability. Like you have to show Satan having sex with her, right? Like that's a thing that we all witnessed. Well, like in the book, I don't know how much you know, but in the book, did that scene even happen or is it like way more vague? So based, I haven't read the book, you know, full disclosure, but based on things that I read, um, it happens, but it, it describes Satan as a guy. Like it like calls not a him creature with like weird eyes and right. fur. And so like, I think she can't see him clearly or something like that. Like it describes his skin as more leathery than she's used to. And it describes his girth as greater than she's used to. <laughs> but she, she writes it all off to them both being drunk. And it, it, it really like, it, it does not sort of own up to it in the same way. Like, even if you didn't see Satan, you see all the naked cultists and guy standing there talking about Satan raping her, right? Like, but it is still framed as a dream, though, and she still wakes up like only remembering like I don't, vague like points of it. I don't know that that you as a viewer are expected to reasonably buy that it was a dream. I think that they put the dream stuff in so that you as a viewer buy that she thinks it's a dream, right? But sure. I never felt like I was expected to believe it was a dream. So like. The cat's out of the bag, right? So the rest of the movie is just about, like, how are we going to get to the inevitable place that we're going, which is Demon Baby. And I think it's a lot of, um, you're right, I think you're right, and I think the rest of the movie from there, yeah, it's not a mystery for you, the viewer. It's more of, like, watching her be gaslit by everybody around her and, like, no, no, you're fine. Nothing's right. wrong. You're just having woman problems. Which You'll to get be, over it. To be fair, is like, a really different and equally terrifying kind of horror. Yeah. It becomes Just a psychological not, thriller at that point. Yeah. So I would actually counter that a little bit because I didn't know that for certain that there was a demon baby. Oh, interesting. Right. And I definitely had the same preconceived notion after seeing that scene. I was like, oh, it's a demon baby story. Okay. That's pretty straightforward. But then there were several points where I flipped back and forth. I mean, I even mentioned it to you. I was like, I'm not sure if that's the direction they're going anymore. I wasn't, I mean, I got back on track towards the end, but I don't think it was like guaranteed just from watching that. So there was room for like, oh, this could still be like yeah. on her head. I still really wasn't sure entirely what was going on. I had a pretty good idea that that's the direction they were going, but I wasn't 100% confident of it until the end, I would say. Yeah. Speaking of drugging people, uh, yeah, let's do it to ourselves. Yeah. Woo. This week, what are we drinking? So what we are drinking Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds weird out of context. <laughs> I wonder uh, if it's spicy. Coincidentally enough, yeah, there, is, spicy. <laughs> there is a cocktail named Rosemary's Baby. Uh, it contains uh, lemon vodka. It contains lemon juice, lemon simple syrup, a wedge of lemon, and rosemary. Didn't, didn't you say it's actually in the film? Uh, it's not in the film, but the drink was the name Rosemary's Baby. It's not a coincidence. Mm. They named the drink after the film. Right. Yeah. I think but they don't the actually drink... drink this in the film as oh, far okay. as I know. I think the drink in the film is that weird health drink in quotations that um, no, the, first the Casavets time were there, doing. There the... was a rosé crush something. Yeah. The first time they go to the Casavets, he has a tray of four overfilled drinks that he like spills on the ground a yeah. little bit. And I was oh, thinking about right. making that 
uh, at first. Um, and I also, when I was looking it up, like what drinks to make that would be in theme, there is there is a rosé named Babe that I thought would <laughs> would fit pretty well. We're drinking the rosé Babe. The rosé Babe. It's close. It's got Although half like of this. each word. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of trying to find cocktails with just the name of the movie and trying to make them. It's kind of interesting. I mean, if we're picking big movies, there's going to be cocktails for some of them, I imagine. All right, all right. I also imagine they'll probably taste better than just a drink that's like, yeah, this is a weird apple whiskey that kind of, you know, it's got Mickey yeah. in the name. Come on, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I we came up with that idea the day of last time. You had a week. Yeah. We're, we just had a small local liquor store. I did like, this what today. It's hockey themed here. <laughs> I did this the same day. Okay. I did a pretty spot on job. I'm just going to say. Okay. Let's, True. you know, enough talk. So we're doing let's, a taste Let's test. try this bad boy. Oh, that's that real good. Really good. That's that so good. Dangerously Ooh. good. Oh man, I'm gonna be drunk by <laughs> <laughs> way better than an apple whiskey. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. I'm pretty proud of this. This, this came out pretty okay. Pretty All right. fantastic. The the bar's been set. Now now we're Ooh. doing cocktails. That aftertaste of rosemary, so mm. good. That's really nice. Oh, that's good. Holy crap! I might just start drinking this anyway. You know. Yeah. Now we have all the ingredients. That's what I was saying. Like, if we do this long enough, eventually we're just gonna have. A whole bar mix to work from. Soon, if yeah, if we keep doing enough of it and keep calling al- enough attention to it, it's going to become a drinking movie podcast. Yeah, I mean it kind of already is. But hey, viewers, make some drinks along with us. We'll give you. I mean, you gave oh, out the ingredients, right? I gave out the ingredients. Should I give out the actual like recipe? Sure. I think they can Google it for themselves. You can <laughs> Google it. It's the first result if you Google Rosemary's Baby Drink. drink. <laughs> uh, kettle one. Was the one that we used? Kettle. Well, Kettle One is the one that was recommended, but we couldn't find that, so we used Absolute. <laughs> right. Well, we found Kettle One, just not the like the lemon citron one. Right. 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 So, like, let's 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 do it. Like, Devin, you said that you think going in blind, you know, improved your experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What do you think, Tyler? I think we came in on pretty much the same page. Did you feel like knowing the twist, and I, I'm doing air quotes for our entirely audio audience, <laughs> um, do you feel like that in any way detracted from the experience of the movie? Well, it's hard to say, you know, because sure. I, I couldn't have experienced it otherwise. Uh, I feel like I had more fun than Tyler. <laughs> I I really felt like, um, so this is not my idea. I read this in like a, a Roger Ebert uh, review of the movie afterwards. Um, but he said that, like, because uh, the Satan scene comes so early in the film, that the horror becomes about the inevitability of it, and that that's mm. the terrifying part. Um, that's why, yeah, that's what I liked about the movie, too. It, but it's hard to say, because I kind of go back and forth on, like, do I want to go into a movie completely blind and just be surprised by it? Or do I want to know what the surprises are so then I can analyze a movie for what's actually being shown? I will choose blind every time. I kind of go back and forth. I don't know because I think they're the two, like experiences are worth experiencing. You know? But I think the first one is important. I think if you watch a movie twice to get both experiences, that's one hand, right? Yeah. But if you completely void out the ability to see it without knowing anything about it, I feel like you're losing something there. I mean, we've we've talked about it a couple of times, but we've dabbled on little pieces of it. But we haven't really told anyone what this movie's even about. Demon it's, Baby didn't give it away. I mean, that's basically it. So, like, the a young couple move into this um, amazing 
Manhattan apartment. Massive apartment I'm for so Manhattan. D- oh yeah, and they're talking about how it used to be all one big apartment for one per like one family, yeah. and they split it up. And even then, like they split that up because the split Bananas. up is like quote unquote small apartment that they're like, oh, this is this used to be so much bigger. It's like way bigger than our apartment, like five times over. You know? Uh, yeah, it's like one of the rooms is the size of our apartment. They have. I don't know if this is a thing that's regular. They have fireplaces in those apartments. I wish I, I don't know why it blew my mind, but like they can have a roaring fire in a Manhattan apartment, like stories above the street, you know? Yeah, it was yeah, actually a pretty city. cool place. Yeah. Um, so they move in and it's under already like under like suspicious, not suspicious circumstances, but um, like the old tenant mysteriously is gone. Like like she was an old lady who died apparently, but was into occultish kind of things. Plus the building has a reputation of having occult type well she, history she died in the exact same way that hutch died later in the film so i think in and there was that was that a coma and a then, coma for a couple months and then dies and i think mm. you were meant to you know like there's that close-up of part of a letter where she says i can no longer associate yeah i couldn't read that so i quick. i assumed that what you were meant to get out of that was she was a member of the cult and had a crisis of conscience and they killed her Okay, so I forgot about that letter that they like zoomed in on real fast because I was thinking that like maybe she wasn't all that associated with the cult or was like starting to get on the outs, but like she was removed to make room for Rosemary. Maybe I don't know. I mean, it's I don't think it's ever spelled out one way or another hmm. that I that I noticed. That was just my sort of head canon for what happened is that she because you know she had the herb garden and everything, which yeah. made me think mm. like. Yeah, and they, she was very close with the Cassavettes, they said. And, well, and she has a secret entrance to the devil lair. Right, that she moved. That she put, the uh, she, that blocked she blocked off, yeah. Because she decided, I'm not being a part of this anymore. I think she wanted to keep people from coming in the other direction. Right. That too, that makes sense. How did she move it, though? Because she was in her 80s, and that thing was huge. They even uh, well, mentioned. Because she had satanic strength. Yeah. She used a strength No, she potion? just asked. <laughs> she asked Satan to come over and help her move the move the thing. <laughs> hey, uh, old scratch, old buddy, old pal. Can you come over here and... Uh, <laughs> Give me a lift real quick. <laughs> yeah. So they move in the apartment and immediately talk to the Cassavettes, who are the nosy upstairs neighbors. Or no, down the hall neighbors. And uh, Well, they share... They, they are in the other half of the apartment that once was all together. And somehow they, sh- they the, share that partition. Somehow the Cassavettes part is way better looking than the other part, I think. Mm. I don't know what it is. Interior decorating? What? So let's see. They make friends with them. They're nosy. It's Hutch that starts giving her doubts about the Cassavettes, right? No. She, I friend. mean, she's not into them. She's not her, into her, them from the beginning yet because they're really intense. Her husband, Guy, starts to develop a relationship with them. Right. I'm trying to remember like when she starts getting suspicious because basically like the story is she becomes pregnant after being drugged by the Cassavettes. Like, yeah. is she even suspicious of them at this point or has it just come out of blue? I'm trying to remember. I saw this just yesterday, but I'm trying to remember exactly. No, I don't think she's outright suspicious until much later in the movie. She does not like them and tries to avoid them. Hmm. Um, but I don't think she's outright suspicious until, yeah, after Hutch and all that stuff. Okay, so she is drugged by a moose that, that uh, what's, it's a Roman Cassavet and what's mini? Uh, mini Cassavet uh, gives her a moose that she keeps calling mouse. Yep. I don't we know got if that's bit on, by a mouse. I don't know if that was just her 
being weird and goofy or like I don't know what the significance of that was because they kept saying mouse and not just Minnie. And like, uh, oh, you were bit by a mouse. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, they made fun of her when she first brought it over, Rosemary and Guy, because she's. I think it was meant to be like Minnie's so uncultured she doesn't know how to pronounce moose. Mm, okay, so in her drugged state, she has a what seems to be at first. I mean, we already talked about this a fever dream, where she's literally raped by the devil. But then, like, during it, she starts to become more lucid and starts, like, realizing, and even says out loud, again, Devin, you just said this, that, like, oh, this isn't a dream, this is really happening. And then, while this is happening, too, I think even the cultists were like, hey, she's starting to wake up, and like, no, 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 don't worry, she won't, like, remember this, she's too out of it. And then she wakes up the next morning uh, with scratches on her back, and like, yeah, I remember having this crazy dream where I was being raped by somebody, and, like, everyone was there, it was the craziest thing, and and... Uh, her husband, guy, guy. Thank you. Uh, that guy. That guy. What's uh, that guy's name again? I don't want. I don't want to interrupt your flow, but like, what did you guys think of guy? Uh, At first, I liked him in the very beginning of the movie. He was. He was the part of this film. He was like the only part of this film that didn't work for me. No, I didn't understand. I never. Yeah, I don't. Who would sell their wife to the devil? I mean, I think he was. I mean, they kind of built this up for his character where he's an actor, he's self-centered. I think he's kind of a sociopath. I think he, he's just... But it never it never sold me on he's desperate, right? Like, they have enough money to move into this great apartment. He's getting work. They or showed him they? on a couple of commercials. Yeah, but he hadn't had his big break yet, which they've talked about a bunch. Right? He literally got one rejection in the film, mm-hmm. and then he's willing to sell his wife to the devil. I mean, what if he was just the kind of person that so- would have done that anyway? No matter what the situation. I don't know. He just like, I didn't get like, sometimes you were supposed to find him charming. And then he was just like, he was so crucial to the plot and it just never like, literally, if you go back and look at it, it's the, like the second day he knows Roman that I think he goes over and makes the deal with him. Yeah. Because Roman is, he knows a bunch of, uh, actors or he, he had some connections that he was going to help he, him with. You're telling me that if you went to some guy's house and he said, by the way, I'm a satanic worshiper, don't tell your wife, we want your wife to carry Satan's baby, he'll get you magic acting powers. No, no, no. You, you, like, you would be ready the next day to not only buy into that, but to like, you know what I mean? It just didn't make any sense to me. No, I wouldn't. And I think that's absolutely like insane thing to do but i think it's supposed to be right i like i said i think they intended him to be kind of a sociopathic character like completely self-centered because they brought that up a bunch of times i'm not even talking about the self-centeredness i'm talking about like why does he believe that selling his wife to these crazy cultists is going to get him the things he wants well so at what point did he uh get that part because the guy who did have the part went blind was it before the 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 conception with Satan or after? Because if it was before... I think it was after. Oh, was it? I think so. Because if it was before, that could have been the, like, see what we can do for you. We made this guy go blind, and you got that part, and it's never going to be traced back to you. See the power that we have? We're for real. Maybe you should do this deal, you know? Uh, yeah, I suppose it would make a difference. I just... I never felt like Guy behaved like a, like a person would. I honestly didn't even, like, consider that he was roped into it during the course of the movie i thought that he had already set the deal before moving there and that's why they even decided to move into that apartment in the first place 
Oh, I don't think that's true, you right? He so? didn't seem to like the Cassavetes or want to have anything to do with them until that first dinner. And right. then after that, he was like full on Cassavetes. See, at that point, like I didn't believe anything. You know, like I didn't believe anything that he said because he was very underhanded. And I think that's kind of like, I think it's a good um, character of like, yep, this is the husband that like, you know, the wife would be like, I can't believe he would do something like this. He's never been like this in my entire life. Why would he go and like, cheat on me or abuse somebody or kill somebody or do something crazy like he's joking and happy the whole time i didn't realize he had this whole separate side to him that i never saw before like i thought he was a great version of that kind of character where like every time you saw him he's just kind of like jokey and normal and supportive or whatever but the whole time in the background he's doing this awful shit to like get ahead of the game i think that would have worked for me if they had sort of put the focus on that but at the end, he's still just guy, and he's still just like this milk toast dude, <laughs> like trying to make excuses. Yeah, but even at the end, I mean, the way he was describing the deal that he made, it seemed like in his mind he was just—he wasn't selling off his wife to the devil. He was just giving up his firstborn, right? And he even described mm-hmm. it as like, even if you carried this baby and then it didn't make it, wouldn't that be the same? No, I I understand that part, but. Right. And he was told that she wouldn't get hurt. Like, let's like back up a second. This man watched a demon have sex with his wife. That's not like you. There's no reaction. He was like not a demon. The devil. Right. Like (laughs) Satan himself. There's the Supreme. There's the one moment where she says, you don't even look at me anymore. And he says, yes, I do. Other than that, he seemingly has no reaction to watching his wife have sex with an otherworldly being. He in no way like changes his behavior. He doesn't have a crisis of faith. Like there's nothing about the way that he reacts to these extraordinary situations that makes any sense to me. I understand your criticism of that. That I mean, that's it. He just like he as a character didn't work for me. A because I think he's unlikable, but I think he's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but B because like I just don't think he's very believable in in the way that he behaves. Sure. So that 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 was just I don't I didn't know if you guys had any strong feelings about it, but no. apparently I was alone in hating guy. I mean, I mean, I hated I, him because I I hated what he had done because I knew what he did like pretty early in the movie. I was interested to see like it was that whole like I can't look you in the eye thing. I remember that like picking up on that and being like that's pretty interesting because he's like ashamed of what he did. Because I've I've heard of stories of people who say um, will like hire a hitman to kill their spouse you know, on either side, man or woman hiring a hitman and then not realizing until like after they had done it, like what the fuck did I just do? Like it's real now, fuck. And then it happens and then they go to prison. Like I've, I've, there's specific stories I've heard where they're like, yeah, it sounds insane on paper. Like why would I do something like this? And in the moment, I don't know. It seemed like an easy route that I could just get them out of my life. not have to worry about it, get money, whatever. It wasn't until it became a reality that I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? This is the most insane thing I've ever done. To me, to like for him, it's like, yeah, the concept of it is insane because it's the devil, you know, and we're talking about Satan worshipers and stuff, but like doing a heinous act and then not realizing the gravity of the situation until like right afterwards, like say like kids swatting other other kids until someone got killed doing it. I mean, he definitely like, seemed like he was getting more overwhelmed towards the end, right? Yeah. What? No, he was hanging out with no, them, until having the, a cocktail. Until the, the very, very end, end. When Rosemary showed up and he's like, like 
head down, can't even look at her. He's like, what? he couldn't even stay in the same room. He had to like yeah. keep walking away. I know? don't. I. It's not the making of the decision to sell his wife that I have an issue with, because everything up until then, I thought Guy was going to be a really interesting character. It was after the rape scene when he didn't have, and he couldn't, right? Because if he was breaking down, then it would give away the game, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, from a plot perspective, I understand why he had to relatively keep it together. But, like, I'm sorry, you you watched the devil rape your wife. There's no world in which that's not going to elicit a reaction. But what if we just didn't see the reaction? And that was on purpose because we're seeing it through the eyes of Rosemary, who's supposed to be questioning her reality. Because Because I think that you would, like... He wouldn't. I, I'm quite certain that you would have a reaction alone as well, but you would also have a reaction in front. Like, I I would like to have seen more instances of of even if it was subtle of him having an issue when he's around her. I, it just didn't work for me, right? Which at the end of the day, I guess, is a personal thing. But but you're you're right. But I think that that's kind of like that idea of like the characters weren't very believable in this very insanely dark situation. Like the, the plot is insane. And I actually thought all the other characters were believable. I thought Rosemary behaved in a way that made sense. I thought all the cultists behaved in a way that made sense, given who they were and what they believed. Rosemary definitely for me was like the believable character, but even then like at the end, she's like, I'm going to just start rocking the baby now, I guess this is my life now. She's a mother. That's like, I actually (laughs) thought that was a really brilliant choice at the end. I thought like it really took what that was the only part of the movie that and like the Chinese tourist that I didn't see coming. That was truly like, I didn't see that coming either. Cause I mean, I thought it was interesting how at the end, right? You have this big climax, right? Everything's leading up to this point when she's walking into that, witch's den clubhouse whatever you want to call it the witch's clubhouse <laughs> the witch's clubhouse I think it's called a coven isn't it yeah yeah well anyway she walks she walks into that room and she's holding a knife and this is like the big climax of the film and then everyone is just kind of like mildly hospitable towards her right it's just now like there's no threat here anymore you yeah, know what i got, mean they got what they wanted yeah that exactly. was scary to me actually you thought so yeah because she walks in and then uh, they're all surprised to see her there, right? Like, yeah. it takes a minute. Oh, that scene was so great when she walks in and, like, the first two people there catch her eye or catch her, and then they stop talking and looking at her. But the rest of the conversations are still happening because they don't realize that she's in the room or has been seen yet. Yeah. And so slowly people start, like, oh. And, like, I noticed one person would see one person staring at her, look at them and go, oh, uh, uh, and turn and see Rosemary and start staring. And then... To be so casual of like, well, we have the upper hand. She's in our fucking den right now. Here's the son of the devil right here. There's no threat here. So like, she shouldn't be here. Maybe we'll kill her off. Maybe we won't. Depends on how she reacts. I feel like they wanted to just give her a chance to like be involved. Be like, it's already happened. There's nothing you can really do. You know what I mean? I think it's the inevitability of it is what scared me of like, you have no power here. Yeah. You're, You're in the worst place you could be right now. And we're not going to do anything because we don't have to, you know, unless you make this difficult on yourself. And to be fair, I think it was Roman that wanted her involved, right? He has that, like, tiff with the other lady. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's, you know, what I gathered was he was the leader of the coven, right? He, he yeah. like, had been steeped in this in his entire life. He inherited it from his dad. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. I, I, I thought I really liked that ending. I thought it was a, a an unexpected masterstroke on because um, it fit. It fit with everything you know about Rosemary. She's wanted a kid forever. She's always been very caring towards Guy, very maternal in that way, takes care of him. Like, I loved her character in general. Talked, I thought she was fantastic. Was talking to little Annie, Andy or uh, Susan the entire you know, time. Andy or Jenny? Jenny, was it Jenny? I Something think so. like that. It was Susan at one point. Yeah, she changed it a couple of times. Um, but like, I, I just thought, perfect. Unexpected. Caught me totally by surprise, and, and but was still... You know, if I had taken the time to think about it, would have seen it coming, which I think is like the perfect kind of knife twist at the end. God, the the part where she talks to Doctor Hill and thinks, finally, someone's listening to me. Someone believes what I have to say. He's gonna he's gonna help me out, and he's like, okay, you stay here, rest up. I'm gonna I'm gonna go like research some stuff. I'm gonna try to get you a room at this hospital. Don't worry, things good. Oh my god! And then, fucking guy and Doctor Saberstein uh, walk in. Dude, my Ooh. heart dropped for her. I'm like, <laughs> oh no, oh no. She he doesn't believe her. He's doing the whole like, mm hmm, mm hmm. No, no, no. I'm totally on your side. Yeah. Right. Jotting notes that down. Was really jotting notes down. Right. I right, was right. totally with her too because I didn't know how it was going to end. Right. And I was I genuinely like with her. Thought maybe something will come of this. You know, I thought there's probably going to be like a dark twist, but. I didn't think he was just going to not believe her. See, I thought I, he was going to get killed too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he was going to get killed or something like that. Can we just talk about real quick the, I don't want to say jump scare, but before that, when she's calling Dr. Hill and she's in the phone booth and it's what oh, looks like yeah. uh, Roman standing outside of the phone booth. Yeah, That was one of my favorite scare scenes in a horror movie that was so good because it wasn't a jump scare it was slow yeah right and you can see it and it looks just like this inevitable thing that's about to happen you don't see his face you just see her like sweating it yeah and fuck he's right oh, that was here so good yeah. yeah i loved that so much <laughs> i um i love the way in that same scene too where she like that that woman was behind her and she's like waiting for the next call so she's pretending she's on the phone yeah and holding it. it's a little <laughs> thing i just thought it was great this this nice little like uh-huh yep Oh, that's true. She did say that. I can't believe she said that. And then like, ring. And then she like immediately, hello. <laughs> you know, I love that. Yeah. So did you know that in 19, uh, 1968, the same movie, uh, the, the same year that this movie came out, that also Night of the Living Dead, Planet of the Apes, and 2001, Space Whoa. Odyssey came out the same year. It's a good year. That's a fucking, that's, that's a, a huge year. year. We did Night of the Living Dead too. That we did. Yeah. So these were all um, apparently part of the the new Hollywood uh, era, you know, and probably like right pickings for all the movies. Like, you know, for, we're probably gonna do a whole bunch of movies from that same era, from the new Hollywood era. Did you know, uh, this is a totally unrelated, but the, did you know that uh, Kubrick was so worried that contact with aliens was imminent that he took out a massive insurance policy on 2001 Space Odyssey? really wait a minute <laughs> yeah he took out an insurance policy on the movie so In he was sense? convinced that if we yeah. made contact with aliens 2001 a space odyssey would be a flop right because it would get everything wrong and everybody would make fun of it so he was so worried about the imminent contact with with aliens 
that he, I can't remember the number, but it was something outrageous, like some insane insurance policy in the event that we made contacts with aliens before it premiered. That's a bad deal he just made. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy and amazing. (laughs) I love that. Holy shit. Um, Oh, did you know that Rosemary's name uh, is um, based off of Mary, Mother of God? Makes sense. Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> I, I didn't know it, but it makes sense. Um, Isn't a rose also often associated with Mary? I feel like that's some sort of Christian symbology. Is there? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. Sounds right. I'm not very religious. Let's go with it. Yeah. Um, uh, so what did you guys think about this movie as far as like, in the context of today, as far as like, I think, let me just start by saying like, I think this movie is weirdly relevant to today. Yeah. You know, like I was just reading, Mm. I was just talking to you, I was reading that Vanity uh, Vanity Fair article from just last year about watching this movie in the Me Too era. Right. And how it's weirdly like, yeah, feminist. It's like a feminist movie. Sure. And also (laughs) super weird because it's made by Roman Polanski. Yeah. That was the uh, part I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Well, like <laughs> he didn't write it, you know, like it's, it's a novel. He he wrote the screenplay, but it, it's an incredibly faithful adaptation right. of a book that he didn't What's, write. I understand. But like we, I like, I feel like you still have to contend with the fact that a director who has been convicted in abstentia of raping or uh, drugging and raping a woman, a girl, really, I think she was like 16 or something. 13 is what I 13, read. God, that's what I read. Uh, uh, that that's the director who did this film. Yeah. Right. Um, which I think charges I, are still pending by the way. He's living. Yeah. At the, he's been out of the country since the seventies because of it. Yeah. There's a, there's some great documentary like Roman Polanski V state of California or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. There, there's a couple. Yeah. Uh, that came out about it. Well, what I thought was interesting, what I was going to say is that the, the horror element of this movie doesn't really feel to me like it's about the witches and the coven. Right. I thought most of the horror element was the gaslighting and it's her not really being sure who she can trust, you know, throughout the film. And you see most of the film, I think, through her eyes. That was really cool. There were a lot of scenes where things are happening in another room and the camera is just in the room that Rosemary's in just viewing it. Right. And you can't really make out what's what exactly is happening. You just know something is happening in that other room. Sure. I thought that was really cool. I love in the very beginning, the same thing where she can hear stuff happening through the walls. Yeah. And at exactly. first I was like, is it supposed to be like the building's kind of haunted or is she really hearing the stuff through the walls? Because what she's hearing is weird as hell, you know? Yeah. She was hearing chanting in the beginning. Yeah. Same thing. Like when you're, when your baby, like when they told her like, yeah, your baby's dead. I'm sorry. Then she started hearing, cry, uh, hearing crying through the walls. And again, so I think you're right. So like not um, knowing what the, like, the big plot point, the twist was before watching the movie. I just saw the movie as that, as a psychological thriller of a woman not being believed because she's a woman and being gaslit. That's not what the story was, but that's like the allegory, I think. That's well, where like... So you just said an interesting thing, right? You didn't you didn't say psychological horror. You said a psychological thriller, um, which is something I wanted to ask is like, do you guys even think this is a horror film? I think because of the demonic elements and... Um, the like the graphic nature of it yeah it's a horror movie see I, I don't really buy it as a horror movie i think it was tense i never felt scared 
No. I wouldn't say I felt scared, but I don't necessarily feel scared during horror movies. It doesn't have to be scary to be a horror movie. I think it has to elicit fear. I thought a lot of the scenes were definitely tense, and some of them were scary. Like I thought, I thought it was done really well, right? But it's hard to make a horror movie that genuinely scares people, and ever, that's totally personal and based off of individual. Like, have you seen a horror movie that genuinely scared you? Yeah. The ring scared the shit out of me when I yeah, first saw it. Ring's a good one. Ring's pretty pretty scary. I'll I'll give you that. When I was thirteen or fourteen or whatever when I saw that, scared the living shit out of me. Because I I think like this is a an old like H.P. Lovecraft truism. I don't know if it's a quote or just like a you know like they distilled his thought process. But like the idea that true horror comes from what you don't know about the mm. unknown, yeah. right? So like a dark room is scary because you don't know what's in there, and so your mind projects all the worst possibilities onto it. Uh, I never felt like I didn't know what was going on in this movie. And maybe that's because I knew a demon baby was at the end of it. Maybe it would have been scary if I hadn't had that. But it felt to me like all the parts were known. It was an incredibly tense and depressing journey to get there. But I never, it, like, it, as a horror film, I don't, it didn't, didn't do that for me. I would say leading up to the climax, there were a couple of moments that I was actually, like, I, I didn't know what was happening. Right? Mm. I was pretty uncertain. Like that scene when that guy who looked like Roman from behind in the phone booth, that was pretty scary. I'll grant you. I think that's like the one standout where that and the rape scene are the two where I'd be like, yeah, okay, we're getting into like horror territory. Yeah. That scene legitimately creeped the fuck out of me, the, the rape scene. And it has, you know, like the actual rape part of it is scary enough, you know, and the fact, the way that they showed it too was really creepy. Um, yeah. Specifically for me at the end when like all you can see is her face and the movement of her head so you know what's happening but you're not seeing the whole thing scared the shit out of me grossed me out in in the right way like it grossed right. me out like this is what it, i'm supposed to feel gross here um but also Disturbed. the yeah but also the idea of like waking up during like for me it's like a surgery you know like so for her it's even worse because it's not something that's supposed to be happening it's this awful otherworldly shitty thing but it's the fact of like waking up during like something like that happening and then having a whole bunch of people around you and like, oh, hey, I think they're coming too. like, no, 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 it's fine. Keep going, you know, while they have no power. That to me is a huge fear, you know. And can we talk about how Guy just like brushed off the explanation in the morning? Right. Because she was because he, he yeah, said straight not up a great explanation. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I really just want to jump on the opportunity to get you pregnant. So I thought, what the hell? Yeah. And she was like, what? While I was, I was like drunk and passed out, yeah, I was actually really gratified that she gave some pushback. Yeah, yeah, she had been such a like a like a stereotypical like sixties mm. like subser subservient wife up until that point that I thought that it was going to completely go. But she definitely like gave him some cold shoulder she did. over it. Yep, and I I wrote down a quote that he said. He said, "Yeah, it was fun in a necrophile kind of way." Yeah, right. Ugh. What? Yeah. <laughs> so gross. Since when is that fun? <laughs> I guess to necrophiliacs. I, I guess to necrophiliacs. I don't know. That didn't feel like a solid ground to stand on, my friend. <laughs> well, as a lie, that's why it's kind of brilliant. I guess right? it's better than the truth. Right. As a lie, because it is unflattering, I think people are more likely to believe it. Because why would you say that if it wasn't true? Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, just as a character or plot beat, that works for me what i used to do uh when 
I was a kid and I would go off like smoking pot. You know, my parents are really against it. <gasps> and I would come home and they're like, hey, are, did you go get high? And I would be like, yeah, mom, I left and I smoked a bunch of weed and then I did a bunch <laughs> of stupid stuff and I came back here. Now I'm talking to you. That's insane. And she'd be like, yeah, you're right. Does your mom listen to this podcast? Uh, probably not. I don't think so. I wouldn't care now because I like. Hi, Mrs. Young. <laughs> like, That's I've probably told her not before, your name like, anymore because you married Jean or something like that. Oh no, she's not married right now. Did she change her name back to Young? No, it's still Lut. 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 L U T T. Which is my point because she married Jean. Is his name Jean? No. <laughs> You're all over the place, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Stop trying. <laughs> hey, you know what? I kind of want another drink. What about you guys? Yes. All right, we're back. Uh, our drinks are refreshed. I feel refreshed. Ready They're not to... as good. They're not as good. No. Matt made them this time. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Way to go, Matt. These are very disappointing. He didn't muddle the rosemary enough. Not enough muddling. He muddled that job. Yeah. <laughs> by not muddling. It Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> it's still good though. I still like it. I mean, it's alcoholic, so it's still fine. <laughs> the yeah. good thing about all alcoholic drinks is they get better the more of them you have. Mm. Right. Like that apple whiskey I keep talking about, how much I hated it at first. Finished that whole bottle. Yeah, by the end of it, I'm like, this is pretty good. Yeah, you bed. If I were to take a sip right now, I'd... <laughs> you guys looked great the next day. Oh, my God. I was in such bad shape. Yeah, that was rough. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. podcast is bad for our health. It is. <laughs> uh, health is fleeting. Podcasts are forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're uh, immortalizing ourselves by doing this. Hey, do you realize, uh, I probably should have brought this up at the beginning of the podcast, this is like the first time in two years that we've done an episode uh, two weeks in a row. Yeah, we're finally starting to become consistent, knock on wood. Again, we did it for a while. We did do it for a while. We did. We were. We had a good streak going of what? Like four or five episodes, I think we did all. There's a couple, so it was a couple of months of just doing it yeah. in a row, which... Saying it out loud, it's not really a great feat. <laughs> well, but we were juggling three different work schedules, two different time zones. I like, think it's easier now because we have a pretty consistent schedule. And we now have a day that we can all get together and do it on a regular basis. I'll say this. There's a lot more work that goes into a podcast than you might think as far as like pre-production and post-production. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you're going to leave any of this in. I just thought it was an interesting tidbit. Yeah. Uh, oh, so interesting tidbits that I want to touch on before we, we wrap this up about the movie. Um, so the story is set in 1966, which is very significant for the story and for the times that the movie was made in. Um, the birth date for Rosemary's Baby is June in 1966. Oh, uh, nice. So 666, six, six, the number of the beast. The number of the beast! <laughs> Time Magazine's cover story that was in the movie and in the book, Is God Dead, really came out in 1966. That's a real Times article. Hmm. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. That must have been pretty disruptive. Yeah, pretty shocking uh, for 1966. Like Even today, if that came out, it'd be a weird thing to read from, you know, from Time. It's just that. It was just a black background, white text, Is God Dead. Yeah, got to read that. I mean, find out, right? Is he? Who I knows? need to know if he's dead. Yeah, I Time know. Magazine knows. They're going to tell me. I didn't even know he was alive in the first place. Well, to be fair, I mean, Nietzsche said he was dead like way back in the 18-somethings. Don't, Matt, we don't need this right now. <laughs> I'm just, like, I don't think it was that, you know, groundbreaking. No, but for Time Magazine to publish something to the American public in 1966 asking that is. Fair enough, fair enough. 
Anton LaVey, who is the founder of the Church of Satan, founded the Church of Satan that year in 1966. Good year. Uh, and famous, and I guess his whole thing is he claimed that 66 was year one for Satan, which was in the book and was chanted by the occultists in the movie, too. That, you know, this is year one, The you know, Satan is born, it's like the new, I don't know what it would be, not AD, but cool, whatever they call it. Uh, no, it could still be uh, AD, because that's uh, Anno Domini. Domini, so it just means the year of the Lord, you just change the Lord, right? But I think they want to distance themselves from AD and do something new, AX. <laughs> it sounds more satanic, right? Anno Xavier? Yeah. <laughs> Metal. <laughs> it just sounds more hardcore to add X to it. Or Z. Mm. Those awesome letters. X, Z, and R. Mm. S is a pretty good one, too. R for murder, not mud what? duck. R for murder. <laughs> well, I was just mud duck. <laughs> stupid office quote. Um, also, so the Manson family formed around in the late 60s. And do you guys know about the Manson family and their connection to Roman Polanski? I somehow knew this yeah. and forgot it and then re-remembered reading all this. I know this because you told me earlier today. Yeah, I shouldn't have. <laughs> no, but it was very interesting. I'd like to hear it again. I, I do know it, but I'll pretend like I don't if you want to tell the podcasting audience. I just didn't know that Sharon that, that, that Roman Polanski was married to Sharon Tate. I knew yeah. who she was and that she was murdered by the Manson family. It was his house that they broke into. Yeah, I didn't really know that it's one of those things that like Roman Polanski was a name I've heard a million times, but didn't really look into him or know his works or the story or whatever. So like it wasn't until I finished watching the movie and started looking stuff up. I'm like, Oh, Roman Polanski did this. Interesting. Oh, Mia Farrow is the, is the main actress. Oh, she's the one that's involved with, uh, uh, Woody Allen and you know, him leaving her and then dating his step or marrying his stepdaughter. And then weird allegations about Mia Farrow abusing um, Sun Yi. And, uh, but, but yeah, and then I didn't know, like, oh, Roman Polanski was married to Sharon Tate, who got murdered by the Manson family. So it all kind of like opened up and made, and made, like, in my brain and made more connections. I'm like, oh shit, now I finally, getting all these points that I've heard about a million times, I understand the significance behind them, which is really interesting, if not really, really dark. Uh, yeah. Do you know, uh, where Roman Polanski raped that girl? Jack, Jack Nicholson's, Nicholson's house. What? He wasn't wanna, there, but. If you want to pull in another crazy character. Yeah. Crazy times. The whole, yes, this, this whole movie, like there's so many layers to it, to the, the concept of the movie, the time it was made in, who made it, who starred in it. The implications of all of it together leading into today in the Me Too era, like it all kind of like never stopped being relevant and not stopped being important and hasn't really ever been resolved. Yeah. You know, to this day, which is interesting. No, I, I think it's um ironically, I think it's a really sobering look at the way men and I guess other women use women, right? Like it is it's a difficult thing, right? Because you don't want to call Roman Polanski a feminist by any means. Um, but he made a film that is one. Uh, some stuff I read said the book was written that way too. So maybe it just came through from the book. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm thinking that... Well, I mean, people are also... pretty well. Because the author of the book, um, 
Ira Levin also did The Stepford Wives, which I think is a pretty feminist story. Mm-hmm. I don't know it. I don't know the. I never watched any of the like the original. I never read the book or the remakes. Sure. Um, so I don't know if it actually does have a feminist story when you get into the minutia of it. But I think the whole idea is like you don't want to be a cookie cutter. Right. You don't have to fall in line and do the gender female role of you know being a housewife and being perfect and having the white picket fence and all that. Yeah, I mean, I think like my relationship with this film in relation to like feminist type things is um, sort of a microcosm for like the film as a whole, right? Like it's complicated. Uh, It is both boring and tense. It is not surprising and still has, you know, twists and turns like, and Roman Polanski uh, raped a child and, and also made a film that pretty effectively lambasts, you know, men wanting to turn women into baby factories so literally in this sense yeah no i i I don't i don't think there's a clean answer on it no i um i thought it was interesting because in in comparison to other horror movies that i've seen a lot of the decisions i I, i'm sure you can relate when you see a movie uh especially a horror movie and some of the main characters are making decisions and you're like why are you doing that that's an illogical decision to make i thought all of rosemary's decisions right the trust that she was putting in these other people even if you as the viewer had a sense that something was wrong there's a lot of social pressure a lot of niceties that were pretty well laid out in the film you're trying to be polite it's your neighbor you don't have enough you know evidence to assume there's any other issue going on there and you're just trying to get along with everyone and and I thought that was a really interesting way to uh, portray why so much trust was being put into these other people um, who we find out later on are problematic. You know, especially because like women have that um, right connotation of like, oh, she's just being hysterical. Don't worry. She's being an emotional woman. You know, like they do that sometimes. And they, they did it in the movie. They even said like, oh, she's being hysterical or... um guy was saying too like oh so you're going through those postpartum or prepartum crazies you know yeah. like, that's just a thing that women go through it's kind of nuts sometimes yours was a doozy ha, ha, ha. Like, now you're gonna get over it yep i'm trying to trying to explain all of it away you know even when like all of the curtains have been lifted and he's like yeah so you were raped by the devil and had a devil baby but if you look at it, it's not that big of a deal you know you can have another kid we're gonna get we're gonna have a nice life from here on out. I'm going to be a famous actor. It's all cool. It was all, he said, think of everything we're getting in return. Don't be selfish. Yeah. You know, like trying to justify and like, it's crazy. Twist it all around to like, no, 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 you're nothing bad happened to you. You were all doing, this is all for the benefit of us. He said, they, they promised you wouldn't be hurt and you haven't really. Right. (laughs) Which is a a crazy way to interpret what happened. Right. Cause he's only thinking about like, physical violence you yeah know, like sex can't you weren't hurt you just had sex sex is fun right like mm-hmm. in a necrophile kind of way mm-hmm. yeah right exactly not mm-hmm. thinking about like yeah you need to be a willing participant for it to be fun <laughs> do you have something to say matt no oh. matt looks very concerned with what's going on on his phone right now yeah it was what's up i was just checking movies but thank you for calling attention to it Everyone, look. (laughs) Should we do ratings? Yeah. Okay. 
uh, Tyler, since this was your pick, I think you should go first. What'd you think of this movie? I haven't thought about the rating until just this moment. Oh, good. It'll be fresh. Yeah. (laughs) I want to give it, um, I want to give it a six. Um, because six, six, six point six, six. Yeah. I want to give it a six because I liked the concept of the movie a whole lot. Like top to bottom, I didn't really have a problem with any of it other than I just think because it's just very slow. It's very like you see a lot of the day to day kind of stuff. Like I think they could have trimmed it down from two hours and 15 minutes or something like that down to like an hour and a half maybe and kept a lot Hmm. of it in there. And I kind of would have liked to see it more of like a horror movie and less of like um, kind of like a soap opera thriller, mostly because like a lot of the acting is over the top, like especially at the very end. And some of the characters were, were a little one note, you know? Sure. None of it takes a like makes a movie like terrible or anything like that. I just think if this movie were done today, it would be done a lot better than in the 60s, at least like just more interesting to me, you know, for my personal taste. So really enjoyed it. Um but yeah, six out of ten. Matthew? I thought it was really, really good. Um, I think the only thing... So I have no real deep criticisms. Any criticisms I have, I've already sort of voiced ad nauseum. But it was missing some sort of X factor for me. And maybe that X factor was surprise. I thought it was really solid. I would watch it again. Uh, but it doesn't reach... Like, it didn't blow my mind. It wouldn't reach like the tippy tops of, of greatest film-going experiences I've ever had. Um, so I'd say like 8.5, like really, really solid, but doesn't doesn't quite breach into that that final stratosphere for no reason that I can put my finger on just because it just didn't. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed this movie. I mean, purely from an entertainment standpoint, I would actually give it a pretty high score. I'd probably give it a nine out of ten. Uh, probably or you are giving i am giving it a (laughs) solid nine out of ten look at this he's made a declarative (laughs) statement folks let's see how it makes him squirm no i i really i really enjoyed the film i don't know how much rewatchability it has for me i will say that um i think most of most of the entertainment i got out of it was from the fact that i really didn't know for certain what was happening um but there were so many scenes in this that I really liked. I really liked the phone booth scene uh, after Rosemary has the baby and she's hiding from Guy and how they just cut the music and it's just the audio of the floors creaking and breathing. I thought that was really, really cool. There were a lot of scenes in the film that I really enjoyed and thought were done really well. I actually really liked the pacing. Um, I probably wouldn't cut most of it. I thought everything was there for a reason and it didn't feel like fluff to me. Um, I was felt like I was getting more information for every scene that they included. So I really liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. Yep. Thought it was a good movie. Thought it rode that line of drama and horror pretty well. So yeah. Solid cool. Cool, cool. nine. Cool, 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 cool. So cool, cool, cool. you gave it an eight, Matt. Point you gave it an eight point five. Eight point five. Devin, you gave it a nine. So you were the negative Nancy. I think officially this movie breaks the streak of Tyler Pick's bad movies. It does. It actually. does. I was going to bring that, that up, streak. but I didn't want to give you credit. Yeah. No, of course you don't. <laughs> and it's funny that I think, like, as the three of us, I thought of it the least, you know. Yeah, normally yeah. Matt's the critical one. That's interesting that he uh, he gave it such a high rating. It's funny. I think I may have changed my mind on the rating the more we talked about it. And I think it, it kind of comes down to what you're talking about with Guy not being so believable. Mm. 
I don't think he in particular was unbelievable. I think everybody's reaction was a little bit unbelievable. I think that was kind of on purpose. And that's some of the things I read were like, it kind of reads as a comedy at some points and it kind of reads as a soap opera at some points. I think it's because of the way that people are reacting or not reacting in a realistic way to what's happening. Well, Rosemary was the most realistic of everybody. Everybody else seemed very I mean, cartoony. It's, un- it's unquestionably a comedy in that last scene, right? Oh yeah. Mm. Like the, the Asian tourist taking pictures <laughs> and like, he even does a little like, huh? I'm going to take pictures now. Yeah. It's you know? a bunch of like old fogies who are like, it reads absurdly. Which I feel like if they did that throughout the whole movie, I would appreciate it more if it was absurd the whole way through or more of a soap opera, or if it was a straight horror all the way through, or if it was more of a psychological thriller all the way through. I think they tried, I don't even know if it was on purpose or not, but it was like a mishmash of all those and didn't really make me feel completely satisfied with any one of those. I thought that was fine. I thought, I mean, it took me with it, right? I thought in the funny parts, like even the beginning, I thought the writing for just the banter between Rosemary and Guy was funny a lot of the time. Um, And I thought the goofiness at the end, it caught caught me off guard at first, but I was pretty okay with it, you know? It worked for me. It felt kind of Scooby-Dooey, you know, in like the horror sense of like the the horror vibe that you get from like Scooby-Doo, you know what I mean? It's It's kind of goofy, but I was still entertained by it, I guess, is the the takeaway. And I think that's important. If anything, it makes it more horrifying, right? That like basically the villains of the movie who brought the Antichrist into the world are just like the Neighborhood Watch Alliance. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> they're just the Homeowners Association or something. Like they, there's nothing inherently terrifying about these people, but they did a terrifying thing. Yeah. Which I think is sort of like the point of this, right? Like this, th- this terrifying um that, that, yeah that like ordinary people are capable of these really extraordinary acts of cruelty and what is it used when you um like utilize a person uh use them yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> what the act of that yeah I'm, i there's a word but Manipulate? I, I don't have it no i'm two drinks in let's yeah. just let it, let it go but i think i think because I, I agree with you, like, that is creepy that it's like, oh, they're just neighbors who are also super evil and doing these, like, uh, literally otherworldly yeah. horrors, you know? I think to me, it would be creepier maybe if, like, you know, when she walked into the room at the end, like, it started off, like we we're talking about, it started off where they're like, oh, hey, Rosemary, you're not supposed to be here, but since you're here, might as well eat all on you. I think at that point, if they weren't so like, and the son of the devil will rise, and this is year one, year one, year one. If they weren't doing that, and they're just more matter of fact, and they just kept that um, banality throughout the whole thing, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, you that was that was the devil that you uh, were uh, raped by, and this is uh, Adrian, the son of the devil, and you know, there's nothing you can do about it. I'm sorry. You know, like we used you and that sucks, but Hey, you know, we need to do this. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than us. It's what it is. Why don't you just sit down and try to accept it, wrap your head around it. Do you want a drink? I can get you a drink, make you feel a little better. You know, if it was something like that and wasn't so like, yes, the devil is here. You know, one of those kind of things. And she was like, no, no. And like clutching at her, at her face. Like, Oh God. You know, if it was just more subdued and just matter of fact, like clinical, like it was like that though. It started off that way. You know, I didn't think it got super campy at the end. 
I mean, it was goofy, but it wasn't like. But I think the goofiness actually goes to this, right? Like what you're describing is legitimately scary in its own right, is like something clinical. I think what they were doing at the end is making these people look absurd, which in a way makes it more terrifying that they were able to pull it off. I get, I mean. Right, like these absurd, they're not villains. I don't even think they're inherently evil. What? They're just weird fucking people with weird beliefs that did a really like evil thing. Not even like I'm sure they don't even see it as evil, which kind of makes it scary, right? I mean, that's that's a good villain. I mean, what did they say they did it for? They gave an explanation, right? That he was going to avenge. Oh yeah, avenge the downtrodden yeah. and the unwanted, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, if that was all, if that was all conveyed in the movie without without I, being so like, I think dramatic. that. I think that is a kind of horror, and I think that it would have been really effective at that. But I don't, I think they were shoehorning some like political statements into this that required that these people not, like, you can't take them seriously, right? Like, I don't think that performance is accidental. It's been so understated the entire movie, and now all of a sudden he's chewing on the scenery and he's, you know, delivering these lines like he's you know, an early Bond villain or something. Yeah. So what's, so what's the message then if that was all intentional? Which it seemed like it was. I just... I think the film is just about the way that, um, like, the coercive relationship the society has with women and women's bodies, particularly, right? And the novel was written around the time that the uh, birth control pill came out, and there was all this crazy fur about, you know, women and their bodies. I mean, it was a woman's lib era, you know? Sure. So, like, I think that's, you know, and I've seen the film once, so I don't know, but I think that's what it's about. And so I think I think the message is people don't need to be sinister to be evil and, and sort of coercive towards women and their bodies, right? You can be just an idiot. It can be, like, just the guy next door, literally the guy next door, who can try to profit off of or uh, take for his own a woman's body. And like, I think by making them appear absurd, he sort of extends the message out. Because if it was just a well-organized, methodical cabal of witches, you say like, oh, okay, well, it's a conspiracy, but like, that's a conspiracy. By definition, it's a few number of people. Whereas if he just makes him like the crazy dude next next door with weird religious beliefs that somehow still pulled this off, now it's expansive. Now it's a social statement that applies to everybody. You know what I mean? I suppose, but the idea of them being so like self-aware and comical at the same time, like I, I feel like, I don't know, like they knew what they were doing was wrong. You know, they knew that like, yep, we're witches, bring them back the devil and weren't just like normal people who were trying to, because to me that's creepier, like you were saying, like the, the guy next door, what they did pull off was successful you know, they were smart enough to do it. They were smart enough to coerce all these other people and get what they wanted. Just by brute force lying. <laughs> so they are smart enough to do that. Then when confronted, they like, let's turn on the show. Like, let's give her the works of like, yep, you're in the witches cabal and we're bringing back the devil. To me, that seems like a weird like. So look at it from like the director's point of view. You've sprung the trap, right? Like the twist has been twisted. You now know it's the devil's baby. So what's the point of continuing to maintain horror and fear? Right? Because mm. what's happening is horrific and fearful. 
But does it, I mean, I think it still is horrific and fearful. Not for me when they started getting all dramatic about it. But I don't think he's going for creepy anymore is my point. I think they've turned the corner and he's going for something new in that final scene. It definitely felt like it went in a different direction all yeah. of a sudden, like on a dime. Right. And I think like it not working for you is a totally fair criticism. I just don't think he's trying to be creepy anymore. Mm. But it was only in the last like five minutes. Right. It's only in that scene. Which is like a crazy heel turn to be like, here's the movie for, you know, an hour and 45 minutes, an hour and 50 minutes. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, like at the very end, the last five minutes, I don't know what that statement says. Like you, you were explaining it, but it didn't really quite click with me. Like to me, sure. that doesn't really fit. But again, it's just personal preference. At the end of the day, it's it's a personal experience between you and the film. Right? I still enjoyed it. I'm still really. I still liked it a lot, it. too. Yeah. Although I wish they showed the baby's eyes. Because they made a whole big thing about how, like, what's wrong with his eyes? They did, technically. Huh? They showed Satan's eyes at one yeah, point. Yeah, but they didn't and show they, the baby's eyes. And then eyes. they said he has his father's eyes. I want to see the baby. <laughs> I did, too. I really want to see the baby. Okay, well, yeah. here's, a, here's an interesting question, right? Like, that's a really significant choice to never go inside the cradle. Yeah. So that didn't work for you guys? I, I mean, it may have worked better right uh, it's it's hard to say keeps it, you thinking i may have been more disappointed if they did show it and couldn't pull it off perfectly you know See, horror is the unknown what word for me in that ending is when they stopped being so dramatic and they went right back to so mary you are a mother that is your kid do you want to be a mother now yeah. this, ba this baby's gonna live and we're gonna take care of it no matter what do you want to be a part of its life or not and they went right back to being like we're the neighbors now and we're going to mm. try to help you out where we can, even though we did this thing against your will and there's nothing you can do about it. So do you want to come over here and rock this baby to sleep or let it cry all day? You know, sure. that I, was a perfect ending to me. I guess also the, the picture of the baby, it can now only be illustrated by Rosemary's reaction, you know, which I think which was amazing. can be enough. She had a pretty, she had a really good reaction to witnessing that firsthand. Well, and I think like maybe a way of answering the question about whether or not they should have shown the baby goes to like your personal reaction to what did you think of Satan? Because I thought it, it didn't it look It was great. okay. Yeah. No, I didn't. I mean, but I thought a baby just with those eyes, that'd be pretty cool. It, it, I, I really respect the choice to never go inside the cradle. I think, I think direction is about as much is, is as much about what you don't show as it is about what you do show. Right. I mean, it's like you're saying, it's the fear of the unknown. So, like, if we didn't see, like, Satan's hairy arms and eyes and stuff, I think it would have been even creepier. He was just like a shadow. Like like, like I was saying, when in that scene, you just see her head and the motion of her body without seeing anything else right. is scary as hell to me because you have to just imagine what's happening. You know what's happening, but you have to, like, picture it in your head because mm. they're not showing you. Same thing with the baby. Like, who knows what the hell that baby looks like? 1968 makeup he would look just as goofy as satan did not yeah. very scary i mean know? i don't know what they did for satan i mean they probably had do they have contacts in the 60s yeah yeah they have colored contacts for makeup and stuff I like so. getting the devil's eyes there's probably some ethical stuff about putting those in a baby though oh yeah i'm sure that's true probably shouldn't no be doing CGI that at the time mm. they could well they could do that weird like like transparent film over mm. and then do like paint it. Yeah. <laughs> Just draw it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's probably for the best. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with the choice necessarily. I just, I was, I, ex I was expecting oh, to see the, baby. I think even here's a, here's a better ending. They end it like thriller. The baby, she's Rosemary's holding the baby. It looks like a normal baby. And then at the very end, the baby looks up and it's got the cat eyes. <laughs> just turns to the camera, breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> yeah. Thriller. 
<laughs> I think even if they could have made it look photorealistic, I wouldn't want to see the baby. Interesting. All right. I think as an artistic choice, it's really interesting and, and okay. really strong. No, yeah, I agree. But I still really want to see a thriller ending to Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> <laughs> the little T-Rex dance. Oh, with the baby. Yeah. Ugh. A dance Weird. number at the end of Rosemary's it's Baby. It's Satan, Rosemary, too far. the guy, the baby, and they're all doing like... <laughs> all right, you're selling me. I'm, I'm I can off see them doing wagon. the thriller. No, I'm done. Because <laughs> this is Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> baby, yeah. She's going to have a baby against her mm. will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rosemary's baby, baby yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we go, yeah, Matt. yeah, oh yeah, still have to do this, don't we? Yeah, what do we, what do we do in, uh, what are we doing next week? We are gonna watch Chinatown. 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 I feel like some noir in my life. I know Big Trouble in Little China. You guys don't know Chinatown? I, I do not know Chinatown. Heard... Also, something I've never heard of. Are you? What? Well, I mean, I, I know Chinatown, like, in a city, but I I don't know the movie Chinatown. It's like the seminal film noir. Yeah. Couldn't tell you a thing about it. Oof. You know, All right. I'm kind of in Devin's camp. Like, I've yeah heard the name, I think. I didn't even know it was a noir. You guys ever... I forget no. the main uh, character's name, but, like, as... Well, I can't tell you because it's the last line of the film. Don't tell us. We, yeah. we got to go in I blind. bet you I know it. I bet you if you said the last line of the film, I'd be like, yep, I've heard that. You know? Yeah. Okay, well, let's put a pin in it and check back after you hear the last line of the film. Anyone have yeah. a pin? What, are you going to put a pin in my head? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't know... Um, this is so bad because normally I pick based on, like, director or something. I don't know director, don't know any of the people in it. I just know it's like the film noir. And you haven't seen it, I assume, right? I couldn't pick it if I had the yeah. stuff. Well, you, have, right? you don't know a lot about it, right? It's a one crucial uh, criteria. Have you seen pieces of it or like what what's, what do you know about uh, it? I mean, I've picked, up, I've picked up pieces of it. Okay. You guys know what film noir is? Yes. Yep. So I don't want to tell you anything because don't. like film noir is all about twists in the investigation. Yep. And yep. Um, so I, yeah, I don't want to say anything at all, um, and and we can see okay how that goes. I know less about this film than most of the ones that I say I know something about. Cool. So I think so. Devin and I are pretty much in the same boat. Like I don't know a thing about it. So you need to write down cool. what you know about the movie before we start next week. Yeah, I can do that. It's probably like three or four words. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. A movie named Chinatown. <laughs> so I know I know this, I know the city in which it's set. I think I know some of the twists. Is it set in New York? Chicago. <laughs> or Chicago or LA. Uh both Chicago and New York are wrong. I'm not going to answer any others after that LA. because you each got one guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um yeah, I'm good. You guys good? Good. Let's get the fuck out of here. And by that I mean our apartment. Let's just walk away. Leave it. Leave, leave the mic's recording. We're walking away. <laughs> <laughs>